All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Power Parsha, Friday, April 1st. No, this is not an April Fool's joke. This is Daily Power Parsha. Not that you would think of that anyway, but nonetheless, Daily Power Parsha is uh, this week covering the Torah portion of Tazria. And interestingly enough, we finished the Torah portion yesterday. We finished the conversation about Tazria yesterday, but there's still more to study. Because this week in Shul, it's one of those very rare occasions, only like two or three times a year, possibly, that we pull out three Torah scrolls from the Ark. And the reason that we pull out three scrolls is because we read three different sections of the Torah at the same occasion on Shabbat. We're going to read Tazria, the Torah portion, which comes from Leviticus. We're going to read a special... I have a question. Yeah. I, I hate to interrupt you. No worries. But am I, your, your video is, keeps freezing, and I don't know if it's only me. Your audio seems fine, or is it anybody else? I haven't had any, I haven't seen any freezing. Okay. People have called me cool, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it. <laughs> That's a joke. That's a joke. All right. Anyway, yeah. Um, I'll, try, I'll try to be a little bit more stoic so that even if it freezes, nothing, nothing that dramatically will change. All right. I can, I can hear you fine. Okay. Well, at least there's that. At least, at least that's going through. Um, so, um, so we have three Torahs. So the first Torah will be ready to go from Leviticus, Tazria, the Torah portion. The second Torah will be from the book of Numbers, where we read about Rosh Chodesh, which Shabbos is Rosh, tonight and Shabbat day is Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the first day of Nisan. And then, for the third reading, we add on HaChodesh, which is the little section from Exodus that talks about the mitzvah of Rosh, of Rosh Chodesh and getting the Paschal Lamb ready for Passover. So those are the three readings. One from, we start off with Leviticus, we then go to Numbers, and then we go all the way back to Exodus. Now, could you use one Torah and roll it back and forth? Sure. But the problem then is that everyone has to wait while you're scrolling. And that's not nice. To make a congregation wait, or more precisely, to make Jews wait? No way. That's going to be a mob scene. Remember what happened when the Jews had to wait for Moses? It ended up with a golden calf. We definitely do not want Jews waiting with too much time in their hands. Just saying. Are there headings in the Torah scroll? Like, no. See, that's why it makes it difficult. Yeah. You have to know what you're looking for. It's all Hebrew. It's just Hebrew blocks of text with paragraph breaks. So you can, you know, it's usually the, somebody who's familiar with the Torah and knows, like, okay, either we're not there yet or we, we, we shot past it when we were scrolling and we got to reverse course a little bit. It takes some time. But a, a, a synagogue that has three Torah scrolls will pre, pre-roll them before Shabbat to the correct places. So, and that's why we have three Torah scrolls so that when you pull each one out, it's ready to go. It's locked and loaded. Do we, do we, have we do that. Um, it's complicated. We have three, but uh, the third one we haven't checked. When you get a new Torah, you're supposed to check if it's kosher. So we got it, but we haven't checked it, so we don't use it. So we have three, but we use two. So what are we going to do, Shabbos? Come and find out. We're gonna, at some point, we're going to be scrolling. I mean, you do, you do your best, but many synagogues have like, I don't know, five Torahs, ten Torahs. Like big, big shuls, they have a lot of Torahs. Small shuls have one, so that you do your best, you, you use what you got. 
But there are three readings. So we've concluded Leviticus, our study of the Tazriah Torah portion. We finished that yesterday. Today we're going to do the Numbers and the Exodus readings, the one about Rosh Chodesh and the one about the uh, Paschal Lamb. So let's jump in. I'm going to share my screen. Let's do this. Oh, what did I do here? No, this is not at all what I wanted to share. This is not the right browser window. Let me get it up here. Ta-da. Got it. Now we're talking. All right, stay with me. Boom. Here we go. Oh, I have it locked to the half door. All right, let me uh, go back to seven. Reading number seven. Not from Tazria. Rather from the book of Numbers. That is not at all the same place. But we, we, we throw it on here because we have a lot of themes to cover this Shabbos. All right, Rosh Chodesh. The Torah tells us, and on the Sabbath day, this is a discussion of the offerings that were brought in the temple on Shabbat, on Rosh Chodesh, etc. Because this Shabbat is Shabbat Rosh Chodesh, so you would bring both of these offerings, the, the Sabbath offering as well as the Rosh Chodesh offering. So let's start with the Sabbath offering, Shabbat offering. On the Shabbat day, you bring two unblemished lambs in the first year, two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour as a meal offering, mixed with oil and its libation. This is a burnt offering of each Shabbat on its Shabbat, in addition to the continual burnt offering and its libation. So this is what we would call a Musaf offering, an additional offering, um, an additional burnt offering in honor of the Sabbath that is brought on Shabbat. Okay, so that's for Shabbos. What about Rosh Chodesh? And on your Rosh Chodeshes, so to speak, and on the beginning of your months, what do you do? Which, again, Shabbat is literally Rosh Chodesh this year. You shall offer up a burnt offering to the Lord, consisting of two young bulls, one ram, and seven lambs in the first year, all unblemished. That's a lot of animals for Rosh Chodesh. Again, two young bulls, one ram, that's three, and seven lambs, that's ten animals. In addition to the animals, you bring some uh, flour, three-tenths of an eighth of fine flour as a meal offering, mixed with oil for each bull, and two, oh, sorry, three-tenths of an eighth mixed with oil, that's per bull. And how many bulls did you have? Two bulls. Okay, so you do this recipe, so to speak, times two. And two-tenths of an eighth of fine flour as a meal offering, mixed with oil for each ram. So you do, although there, were only one, there was only one ram, um, okay, but I guess for that one ram, you do two-tenths of an eighth of fine flour mixed with oil. And what, what do you do for the, uh, for the lambs? You do one-tenth of an eighth of fine flour mixed with oil as a meal offering for each lamb, a burnt offering with a spirit of satisfaction, a fire offering to the Lord. So we have three types of animals, two bulls, one ram, seven lambs, and with each of these animals, you'd either do three-tenths of an eighth of fine flour or two-tenths of an eighth of fine flour or one-tenth of an eighth of fine flour. So it's three-tenths for the bull, two-tenths for, uh, for the ram, and one-tenth for the lamb. What about their libations? You pour, you pour some wine with each offering and their libations. A half of a hin. That's a liquid measure for each bull, a third of a hen for each ram, and a quarter of a hen for each lamb. And what do you pour? Wine. Not each lamb wine. What's lamb wine? That's not even a thing. Lamb wine? 
Hey, I want to order some lamb wine. That's not a thing. It's one a quarter of a hen for each lamb. And what quarter of a hen? That's a measure. What are you actually pouring? It's the wine. So these are wine libations. And I don't know what the word libation means in other contexts, but in this context, it means literally you take wine and you pour it by the altar. That's it. You don't drink it. You don't, you don't, you don't like swoosh it around and, and smell it. You pour it by the altar. By the way, this is probably a very appropriate time to mention that we are planning a beautiful wine and cheese event coming up in the month of May. So save the date. It's May 16th. I think it's May 16th or something. One of those dates in May. Check your local listings when we, when we uh, put it out there for, uh, for consumption. Literally and figuratively, uh, save the date for the wine and cheese event. Okay. I may still be... In Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. That's why I, I don't remember what, what date we settled on, but I think we're going to make sure it's not a conflict. I'll call it to stay the, the week after. Right. We're going to take a look at the dates. Okay, now back inside. So that is what you pour and a, get for each offering. And again, the, the quantities diminish, right? Remember three-tenths of, uh, three of an eighth of, flour, of fine flour, two-tenths, and then one-tenth? Same thing here. Half a hen, a third of a hen, and a quarter of in. Straight up, these are the measurements of the libations for each of the animals for these burnt offerings. And that's brought, sorry, this is the burnt offering of each new month, in its month, throughout the months of the year. In other words, every Rosh Chodesh, every first of the month, you do the same series of offerings as detailed right here. And, ooh, in addition to the burnt offerings, you bring up one young male goat for a sin offering to the Lord. It shall be offered up in addition to the continual burnt offering and the libations. All of these animals that we spoke about were burnt offerings. They were gifts, gifts to God on Rosh Chodesh, gifts to God on Shabbat. On Rosh Chodesh, you also add a sin offering to God. That is the that, that is in addition to the um, to the rest. Now. That's the seventh reading. So that's from the book of Numbers, and it talks about the offerings on Shabbat and Rosh Chodesh because the Shabbat is Rosh Chodesh. What about the Mafter? We have one more reading. What's the Mafter? The Mafter is the story of the commandment of the Paschal Lamb while still in Egypt. So let's read it through. I mean, we, we did it, I guess, a few months ago when we went through the book of Exodus, but let's do it now in the context of this Shabbos. Exodus chapter 12, we begin with the verses... That speak of Rosh Chodesh, and then we're going to se uh, segue into the Paschal Lamb. The Lord spoke to Moses and to Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month, the month of Nisan, the month that's coming up tonight and tomorrow, shall be to you the head of the months. Rosh Chadashim, like Rosh Hashanah, head of the year. Rosh Chadashim, head of the months. It is to you, or to you it, it, to you it shall be, the first of the months of the year. So if you're counting month one, month two, month three... That starts from Nisan. If you're counting the years, as we said Wednesday night, that starts Tishrei. You want to know when the calendar year turns? That's some other point in time. When do the months start? The cycle of months? Right now, Nisan. Let's continue. Then God continues about the Paschal Lamb. Speak to the entire, he says to, to Moses in Egypt, speak to the entire community of Israel, saying on the 10th of this month, let each one Take a lamb for each paternal home. Like every household should have a lamb. A lamb, oh yeah, literally, for each household. But if the household is too small for a lamb, in other words, 
Not that the lamb is bigger than the house. That's not, that's not what we're concerned about. But we're, we're concerned that ultimately when you eat the lamb, it's going to be too much lamb for one family to eat. Then he and his neighbor who was nearest to his house shall take one according to the number of people, each one according to one's ability to eat. Shall you be counted for the lamb? In other words, split it. Split it. If you can't finish the whole, uh, the whole lamb, it's too much. So then invite a neighbor over. Join up with a neighbor. And uh, that's it. Together, you'll, you'll knock out the lamb. Not literally, but you'll, you'll finish it. You shall have, so what about the lamb? Let's talk about the lamb now. You shall have a perfect male lamb in its first year. That's the Paschal lamb. It should be a perfect, and there's an unblemished male lamb in, in its first year. You may take it either from the sheep or from the goats. Okay? And you shall keep it for inspection. In other words, make sure you have it by the 10th of the month. Don't wait till last minute. Make sure by the 10th of the month of Nisan, you've got your lamb ready to go. And keep it for inspection until the 14th day of the month. What that means is, if you've selected your lamb and then you let it run, run outside, it might get hurt. It might get damaged by another animal. It might get bitten by a wild uh, raccoon. I don't know. And then you can't bring it. So for those four days from day 10 to day 14, keep it at home. Keep it under, under uh, keep it, you know, very well watched so that it doesn't get injured. And then on the 14th day of the month, the entire congregation of the community of Israel shall slaughter it in the afternoon of the 14th. Now, Passover, we said before, begins on the 15th, the night of the 15th. So the afternoon of the 14th means literally a few hours before your Seder. That's when you slaughtered the Paschal Lamb. This is, this is not the times of the temple. This is talking about in Egypt. This was God telling Moses, tell the people they were still slaves at that point. This is before the 10th plague. So this is literally a, com a communication in Egypt for that time period. And, and for generations, but at that time. And they shall take some of the blood of this slaughtered paschal lamb or sheep. And put it, put the blood on the two doorposts and on the lintel. Paint the doorway red. On the houses, paint the houses in which they will eat it. And on this night, okay, so, okay, so slaughter the animal, put the blood on the doorpost, then what? And on this night they shall eat the flesh of this animal sacrifice, roast it over the fire and unleavened cakes, matzah, with bitter herbs, with marar, they shall eat it. This was in Egypt, the diet. Um, roasted lamb, unleavened cakes, i.e. matzah, and marar, bitter herbs. You shall not eat it rare or boiled in water. Nope. Except roasted over the fire, its head with its legs and with its innards, the full thing, the full, the full spit experience with this paschal lamb. God is very concerned with, with how you cook this thing. And you shall not leave over any of it until morning. No leftovers for breakfast. Nope. And whatever is left over of it in, in, until morning, you shall burn it in fire. In other words, it's, as we said in Leviticus, as in the recent, in last few weeks in the Torah portion, if you have a sacrifice that has to be eaten you know, that day or that night, by the next morning, you got to burn it. You can't, no leftovers at that point. No repurposing, you got to burn it. And this is how you shall eat it, God says to Moses, tell the people, when you're sitting down at that meal on the 15th of Nisan in Egypt with your Paschal lamb. 
Make sure that your loins are girded, your shoes are on your feet and your staff in your hand. Be ready. Be ready to roll. Be ready to roll. Your belt's on. Shoes on your feet. No pants falling down. Belt's on. Shoes on your feet. No straw. Oh, where are the shoes? Ah, where are my shoes? Where did I put them? No. Shoes on your feet. Uh, um, your loins girded. Make sure your belt is on. Your, your walking stick is in your hand. You are ready to go. And you shall eat it in haste. Quickly. No dilly-dallying over this meal. Eat it quickly. It is a Passover sacrifice to the Lord. Why? Why does it have to be eaten so quickly? Why, uh, why, you know, ready to go, bags packed, what's going on? God continues, I will pass through the land of Egypt on this night. Remember, this communication with Moses happens two weeks before. This happens Rosh Chodesh. God says, on the 10th of the month, get the lamb. On the 14th, sacrifice it. Cook it, eat it on the 15th. This is all like well before, a few weeks before. This is the game plan. God says to Moses, tell the people, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and I will smite every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, upon all, and upon all the gods of Egypt. I will wreak judgments. I, the Lord, I am going to do this myself. Why the blood? He just had paint the doorpost red, but why? And the blood will be for you as a sign upon your houses where you will be. I will see the blood and skip over you. The Hebrew is Pasachti, Pasach, Pesach, right? Using Pesach, Passover as a verb. I will pass over you. I will skip over you. And there will be no plague to destroy you when I smite the people of the land of Egypt. In other words, as I am destroying them, you will be safe. If you follow the protocol, take the animal, slaughter the animal, put the blood on the doorpost, and then nothing to worry about. And this day shall be for you as a memorial, and you shall celebrate it as a festival for the Lord. Memorial, it's zikaron. You know, like Yizkar? Zikaron. Zikaron means memory. It's a, it's a memorial. It's a, it's a memorable day, this day. This should be a day that you remember forever. The Exodus. This day means the Exodus, right? And celebrate it as a festival. We, we did that. We will do that soon also. Again, call Passover. Throughout your generations, that means all time, till this very day, you shall celebrate it as an everlasting statute. Celebrate the Exodus and God sparing the Jewish people with the 10th plague, etc. For seven days now, regarding the holiday that we're creating right now, that God is creating, for seven days you shall eat unleavened cakes. But on the preceding day, the day before the holiday, you shall clear away all leaven from your houses. This becomes the source of cleaning your house before Passover, making sure it is chametz-free, no leaven. For whoever eats leaven from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. Very strong spiritual consequence for this. Make sure that you don't have, it's a spiritual consequence, not physical, but make sure you're not eating the chametz, make sure it's gone from the houses. And on the first day of the holiday, there shall be a holy convocation. And on the seventh day, you shall have a holy convocation. Holy convocation means the whole thing is a holiday, but the first and seventh, the first and last days of the holiday, those are the ones in which we don't do work, etc. No work may be performed on them, but what is eaten by any soul, that alone may be formed for you. You're allowed to cook. So the way it works is like this. 
that holidays are similar to Shabbat with a few exceptions. Number one, well, we'll just deal with one exception. You can cook on the holiday. You cannot cook on Shabbat. On Shabbat, whatever you eat should be cooked before Shabbat. On the holidays, you can cook. You just can't light a fire, so you have to keep the fire going. It's, very, uh, it's not very complicated, but it's, it's, there's a few details of that. But the short of it is you can cook on Yom Tif. And how do we know this on the holiday? Because it says, right? No work may be done except what is eaten by any soul. In other words, the food that you need to eat. That alone may be performed for you. You can do this. Hey, Mark. Welcome. And you shall watch over the unleavened cakes. Shmura matzah. Shmartem matzah. Is watch the matzah. Watch the unleavened cakes. Be very careful. It doesn't become chametz. It doesn't rise. No water. No yeast, obviously. No other ingredients. For on this very day, I have taken your legions out of the land of Egypt. And you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting statute. Why do all of this? Why? Because I took you out of Egypt. This is a holiday. This is an observance throughout all time, etc. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, in the evening, in other words, the evening of the 15th, which is two weeks from tonight, you shall eat unleavened cakes, matzah, until the 21st day of the month in the evening, which is the end of Passover. For seven days, leavening shall not be found in your houses. Right? You shouldn't be able to see it. That means if you keep it in your house and you sell it or whatever it is, make sure it's in a closet that you don't go into. Tape up the cabinet doors. Make sure that you're not accessing it. We're not only not supposed to eat chametz on Passover, we're also not supposed to see it. Bal yeh bal yeh matzah. It's not supposed to be seen or found. And that's right here. Seven days. Leavening shall not be found in your houses. For whoever eats leavening, that soul shall be cut off from the community of Israel, both among the strangers and the native-born of the land. Once again, doubling down on that prohibition against eating chametz. You shall not leave any leavening throughout all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened cakes. That is how the reading ends about the commandment to eat matzah, to get rid of the chametz, on Passover, and all of this was communicated by God to Moses while still in Egypt, while still a slave, I mean, officially a slave nation, at least as understood by the Egyptians, they were still slaves. Okay, questions or comments on this? There's a lot to talk about, but questions or comments on this? So is this our, the Seder? It's the origins. The origins. We don't have a Paschal Lamb because we don't have a temple and we don't want to do anything that even, you know, could be misconstrued as bringing an offering. So we don't have lamb. We don't do lamb at the Seder. Um, shank bone is supposed to be symbolic of the missing element. We have, we have everything else. We have the matzah, the mar. We even throw in extra things. Throw in an egg, salt water, you know, tears, charoset, mortar. I mean, we throw in, you know, we, 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 we spruce it up a little bit. But we have one symbolic item for the Paschal lamb that we don't eat. And that is the shank bone. Chabad custom, by the way, to make sure that no one even thinks that we offered a Paschal lamb. We don't even have a meat, uh, an animal bone. We use a chicken neck for, the, for, the, for that part of the Seder plate. We use a chicken neck. And that's symbolic of the lamb. But that's not lamb. That's the point. That's the point. We don't want to even... No one should come away from a Seder saying, oh yeah, they're still doing the Paschal Lamb thing. We're not doing the, we don't have a temple. We're not doing the Paschal Lamb. We don't do offerings. 
we eat food, and there's symbolism, but we're not we're not trying to like copy paste. This is not like um, we're not bringing it back before we get a temple. Let's put it that way, right? So we so that's why Chabad custom goes with the chicken neck, and even the chicken neck, our custom is that we roast it. Not not even we roast it just like the Paschal lamb was roasted. You take the chicken neck. And you roast it over a fire, open flame. And then, Chabad custom is you strip away basically all the, whatever, the meat, if you will, on the, the chicken, uh, of that chicken neck. And then all you're left with is like a little chicken bone. That's it. Symbolic enough. Something. Something of something that existed, whatever, that's now in your Seder plate. That's it. Symbolism. We have six, but you just so you know, we have six items on the Seder plate. There's the zroa, which is this shank bone, neck bone, whatever. This, which is symbolic of the paschal lamb that we don't that we don't do today. The egg. What's the what's the symbolism of the egg? Of the egg, it reminds us of the bitter exile. Egg, joking. That's not a thing. The egg is um, the egg reminds us of the holiday offering, not the paschal lamb, but on the holiday there was another offering brought, so that's symbolic of that other offering that's missing. So we have a, a shank bone or a neck for one and an egg for the other. And then we have, um, we have the haroset, which sweetens, you know, it's that sweet, sticky. Uh... Who mentioned that? Donna, was that you that you mentioned? That uh, yeah, apples? doing the Sephardic way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Apricots. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, right. So that's that sweet, sticky mixture that reminds us of the mortar. Then you have, on the other side, you have the vegetable. Um, no, 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 you have the oh. vegetable. I'm sorry, I should have gone the middle. I, I should have done the middle. So we have the shank bone, the egg, and the marer in the middle. Yes, correct, the marer. Then we have the haroset, the sweet, sticky mortar, uh, whatever, substance nuts and fruit and whatever, and a blend. And then on the other side, we have the, like the parsley, the onion, the potato, different people use different things. We have that dipping vegetable that we'll dip in the salt water. Then on the bottom, we have another iteration of bitter herbs because we actually do it twice. We eat, we eat bitter herbs on their own, and then we eat bitter herbs as part of the sandwich with the matzah. And throughout, at, at some point in the Seder, we actually put the lettuce, it's, we typically use romaine lettuce and or horseradish, grated horseradish, as the bitter herbs. Even though lettuce is not really bitter, but if you take the stalk, if it grows too long, then it's bitter. The message is that you spend too much time in Egypt and it eventually turns into slavery. So like, had we been there for a little bit with Joseph and gotten out, great. We got stuck, things got bitter. That's like why, one of the reasons why we use romaine lettuce, as an aside. But our family and many, many people, we take pure horseradish root. You, you grate it. This is usually very big. And you grate, you, you um, not grate it, you um, peel it. First thing is peeling it. And then I run it through like a food processor that has a blade, like a shredding blade. Shred it. And then I put like a little bit of romaine lettuce with sprinkles of the horseradish. And that's the mara. So it's got a kick. It, it covers all the sides. It's got the romaine lettuce, which is the traditional way to do it. But it doesn't have the kick usually. So the horseradish gives you the, the bitterness. And you got that together. But you have two iterations of that. One on its own. 
part of the Seder and one part of the sandwich, which we, which, uh, which we eat. The sandwich initially, the initial sandwich, known as Hillel sandwich, that had matzah, the lettuce and or the, the horseradish stuff, right? The mar. And back in the day, when Hillel was the times of the temple, it had the Paschal lamb. This is literally, I don't know, Lord's sandwich. I don't know what, what the world says, the first guy who made the sandwich. Literally, we had it first. Imagine. These are gifts to the world. Unbelievable. We had the sandwich. It's not even a question. We had the bread. We had the lettuce. We had the spicy mayo, the spicy horseradish sauce. Not exactly mayo, I understand. But the spicy, and we had the meat. That's it. Today, we're vegetarian with the sandwich. We don't have the meat because we don't have a Paschal lamb. So we just have the, we just have the matzah. And the horse and the romaine lettuce horseradish mixture, and that's it. We eat that piece of it, and we again we try to we we avoid mimicking the the offering that we are not allowed to bring to, that we don't we can't bring because we don't have, we don't have a temple. We 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 don't like we're not trying to get too close to that experience. We're like eh, we don't have it, so we have one thing on the seder plate. We don't eat it. We have like it's it's there. That's it. Fine. All right. So that yeah. I'm glad to know my father was in the Chabad tradition because he used to go in the backyard and take, like you said, the horseradish. And that was his contribution to the... Yes. <laughs> yes. I would imagine he was, what, he was Russian or Eastern European? Eastern, yeah. We, yeah, my grandparents... That's what everyone did in Eastern Europe. They had horseradish. That's it. Yeah. Horseradish. Yeah, the real thing. The real thing. thing. Yeah, the real yeah. thing. It, it gets... I'll tell you this. It clears your sinuses. If you get like freshly grated horseradish, like I always do it, freshly grated horseradish, man. If you, I'll tell you this. You know, I use. Yeah, I know he would be like crying. That's oh, so so I don't use uh, what they call in Yiddish a ribeisen. A ribeisen is the um, the, the hand grater. That's what I don't, do. So I know, you know, but today we have food process. I have one, I have a food processor that I use all year round for like kugels and whatever and other things, not only kugels. And then I use, a, I have a food processor just for Passover, for Pesach. So I use the Pesach food processor. I use that to do the horseradish. So a food processor, the one that I have, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's a Cuisinart, another company, whatever it is. It's got, it's got like, uh, it's got a base with the motor in it. Then you put like, um, a plastic, you know, it's like a, what do you call it? Like a bowl thing. It's got a top and you feed it in. You push it down with the thing and it, it, then you open up the top. You open it up. You got to be careful when you, oh, if you've grated a lot of horseradish and then you open up because it's like, it's, it's kind of closed in. So it doesn't go. You can actually have a problem. You can have, you can have a lot of problems with that. You can, yeah. there can be, there can be. The fumes, they're fumes. The fumes can be in, intense. Yeah. So you got to open it up and kind of like let it air out. Another I'm, use for the mask. Another use for Yes. Mask. Yes. A modern use. For an ancient mask or uh, an ancient use for a modern mask. One of those two is correct, or maybe both have their own way of being correct. Anyway, here's what I'll say. Nothing as fun as, uh, as getting ready for the Seder. Yeah, Donna. So my Passover 2022 jewelry collection includes... I sent you a photo a while back, a couple of days ago. I, I got I to gotta look at that. Sorry. <laughs> it's very beautiful my bad. with white jade beads and then a beautiful 3D... Mini charm replica of the Seder plate. Oh, it actually nice. has antique silver. It actually has the little, you can see the egg. You can Look see at that. Egg. Look at that. that. Yeah. Nice. By the way, I will say this the way we do the Seder um, at Chabad, 
So here, here's what you need to know about the Seder. I know like it's not a Passover class, but it's now, I think we're just moving that direction because it's HaChodesh and we're already in the spirit of the, the reading. The Maftir was about Passover, so let's go. So the way it works is ideally you start your Seder after nightfall. Now, the problem is we move the clocks already and man, it's complicated. Just, just to give you a sense of timing here, okay? In Atlanta right now, okay? In Atlanta right now, I got my Zmana map. Talked about this before, it's great. Seta um, Kochavim, like when the stars come out, like nightfall, is 8.24 today, 8.24, that's late. That's late. And by the way, by, by in two weeks time, it's gonna be later, it, it's, getting, it's getting later. The sun is setting later. So 8.24 is when three stars come out, officially. Like that's the time, and it's all based on, on, on position of the sun. It's all, it's all scientific based. These things are all, are all very set, very clear. 8.24 now, let's say in two weeks from now, it's gonna be 8.40. Let's just say, eight, it's probably gonna be later, but let's say 8.40, let's say 8.45. You know what that means? You can't start your Seder until 8.45. I mean, you could, but you're supposed to start it after nightfall. So what do you do? So I'll tell you what we do here at Chabad for the public Seder. You know, if it's just my family, we would just, that's it. The kids would nap during the day and everyone's pulling a late nighter. It's not, okay, it is what it is. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's late and you just go for it. But when we do a community Seder, we also have to like take everyone's, you know, we have to like make it work and make it, make it, make it feasible. So what we do is we call the Seder earlier, 7, 7.30, whatever. I forget the time. We call it earlier. And then everyone gathers and we start eating. Not the Seder. We just start eating. Because food, right? Jews and food. So we have like a first course. Gefilte fish and salads and, and, and drink. We, we get the whole thing. Everyone's eating. And everyone's happy. And we can talk about the Seder, about Passover and, and all that stuff and sing songs. The whole deal. And then when the time hits, when the clock strikes, whatever that time is, we officially start the Seder. We do Kiddush. We wash our hands, we do, and then we go through the steps of the Seder, but that way it's not in an empty stomach, and hopefully the edge is off, and we'll move a little bit quickly through it, you know, not too quickly, but we'll move at a, at a nice pace, and then we'll get to where we need to get to, and that is that. It's so not that's officially the festive meal. The first part is not the official festive meal. We'll have another, so here's how we do it. We divide, instead of having, you know, part of the Seder, before you get to the meal, part of the Seder is, you eat, your ma you eat matzah, then you eat mar, then you eat matzah mar together, and then you go to the meal. It's a lot of, a lot of food hitting at the same time. Matzah, it's dense, right? Matzah, marar, and then matzah and marar, and then, and then, gefilte fish, salads, brisket, way too much. So we do it, I think it makes a lot of sense. We start off with the gefilte fish and the salads and the dips and whatever. First, appetizers. We go, we hit the appetizers. Heavy apps, heavy appetizers. Then we do kadesh, the kiddish. We have some wine and then we dip a vegetable and then we talk a little bit more. And then we eat the matzah and the mara and the, and the matzah mara together. And then we get to the meal. We pick up with the main course. So we're ready to go. We have a chicken and a brisket and a kugel and vegetables and, and then we go dessert. And then we, we, we wrap up and then we finish off the, the Haggadah, the Seder. So that's how we do it. 
So that way, it, it kills many. It kills many birds with many stone, with one stone. So you're starting at a more reasonable time. People can feel like they come out. They're not coming out like nine o'clock for a seder. Come out at a reasonable time, and you also are are not going on an empty stomach. You have you know you already you've already eaten, so you're not like on edge. Like when's the food coming out? You've already like had a good meal already. I mean a good first part of the meal. And then you can go through it nicely and whatever. And it's, yeah, it's going to be on the later side. Okay. I mean, there's no, there's no way around it. You know, if, if, if nightfall is only 8.45-ish, and I don't know exactly what the time is, but it's, I'm sure it's around then, then that's when Kiddush is going to be. And so, I mean, even if we move really quickly, probably an hour until like the main course, 9.45. But again, you've already had a meal and it's, it's Passover. You know, we're, we're in for the long haul. I'm not pro- those times don't, those times are not set in stone. I have to see what times it's going to be. But it should be interesting. We'll be reclining. We'll be reclining, yes. Especially after four cups of wine. Man, a lot of reclining. Mark, how's it going? You look like you want to jump in. Oh, no. Hold on. You're muted. I can't hear you. Yeah. Oh. I'm good. I'm good. I'm just listening. Oh, okay. Good. Nice. Yeah. I, saw, no, I saw you emerge from the shadows. So I'm like, I'm like, ready, I'm like ready to turn it over. Got it. So anyway, so that's what's going on first night of the Seder. Um, and then in the diaspora, we have two seders. In Israel, they have one. In Israel, they have what we read today. That's a seven-day holiday. That's how they do it in Israel. Here, we have eight days. We have an extra seder. We have a second seder. So it's a little bit different. Why do we have a second seder? It's a long story. Back in the day, they, they calculated the calendar. Sorry, the Jewish months were calculated by eyewitness, we, we've talked about this before, eyewitnesses saying, I saw the new moon, I saw the, the moon appear, and they went to court, they went to the court, they provided ev- uh, testimony, and yes, Rosh Chodesh. The problem is, and they didn't operate by a printed calendar, they went by eyewitness testimony. The problem is, when Rosh Chodesh was officially pronounced, it was already the day of Rosh Chodesh. Are you with me? Because they would have seen it on, at night, and the court only opens the next morning, they would, so it would already kind of like be already like part of the day. You couldn't get word out before WhatsApp, Twitter, you know, uh, whatever, texting. You could email. You couldn't get the word out to people outside of the immediate area, outside of Israel, certainly, for, 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 for like another day or so. So in the diaspora or outside of Israel, they always, um, whenever the days could be Rosh Chodesh, they just kept essentially two days. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They... Um, when it came to Rosh Chodesh, they keep two days of Rosh Chodesh, or there was a question about, maybe it, was, it took more than a day. So there was a question about when Rosh Chodesh was. So when it came time for the festival, so there was a question of which day was actually day one, which means which day is 15. You with me? If you don't know which day is one, you're not sure when day 15 of the month is. Anyway, so they, they would have two days of the holiday, uh, just to be sure that they got it right. So today, even though we have a calendar and we're all operating on a fixed calendar, we don't have a, a high court in a Sanhedrin in Jerusalem that, that sets the months based on eyewitness testimony. We don't do that when there's a temple. So theoretically, we could all be on the same calendar, but to preserve tradition, Israel has it one day, one Seder. We in the diaspora have two. If you want to cut it down to one, go to Israel. Not a bad thing. Spend L'Shan HaBab Yerushalayim next year in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Yeah, you're one Seder. By the way, the whole question in halacha and Jewish law is, what if an Israeli is traveling, visiting, whatever, family, friends, and ends up in 
the diaspora in, in Atlanta, Georgia for Passover. But he's Israeli or she's Israeli. So what do you do? Do you keep one Seder or two? Ah, do you go by where you come from or where you are? What do you guys think? You're Israeli. Imagine you're Israeli. Where you are. Where you are. <laughs> the law is like this. That if, I, there's a difference of opinions, obviously, but the, the accepted law, to my understanding, is that if you're American and you go to Israel, then you follow the local custom. If you're Israeli and you go to America, then you follow Israeli custom, where you came from. The, the, the law is biased in favor of Israel. You like that? But how do we know that the first day is actually the correct? Oh, we, now, nowadays we know. We know when, when Passover is. Yeah, we know Passover is going to be Friday night, Saturday. We know that's the 15th of the month. That's, that's, that's straight up the 15th day of the month. In the diaspora, we do a second Seder because back in the day, they weren't sure so in the diaspora, so they did a second Seder. But we know. I, we should still do it. It's tradition. And we still do it. It's like part, once it's tradition, it's, it's a holy thing. But, and, and there's, according to Kabbalah, it's because... In the diaspora, it's less holy. We have a less holy environment, so we, it takes us two tries to accomplish what they do in one shot. Yeah, it's like... So um, you have a less holy environment here than in Israel? For sure. Israel's the holy land for a reason. That's the branding. It's not just the tourism tagline. Welcome to the holy land. Uh, come visit us. LL tickets on sale now. No, this is... No, it's the holy land legit. So what, what they can accomplish in one shot, it takes us two shots to do. That's it. That's the way it works, right? But isn't, isn't Passover the only holiday where it's like that? No, 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 no. Oh, no? No. No, all the holidays. All Passover, the holidays. Sukkot, Shavuot. Shavuot in, uh, in Israel is one day. One day you're done. One day to eat cheesecake. Here we got two. It's not a bad thing. It's not a bad Two ice cream parties? I think we can live with that. Two seders? Okay, that gets a little bit because the, the Saturday night is also a late, a late start. Whatever, it's, listen, it's, 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 it's how we roll. Um, but that's the deal. That's the deal. So we do it, and it's tradition, and it's special. But in Israeli, in America, many opinions say that you only keep one day of the holiday, which becomes a very weird scenario, where by day number eight, sorry, after day seven, the Israeli is done. He's done with the holiday. Meanwhile, everyone in America still has one more day. So this guy could be like, hey, bro, what's going on? Calling back home to Israel. And everyone's like going to shul with their holiday gear and making it happen. That's why Halacha says, Jewish law says, that even if you're Israeli in America and you're not celebrating the last day because you're Israeli, don't publicly flaunt that fact. Make your call from a phone booth. They don't exist. Make your call from a private room, a private place, where it doesn't seem weird that if, like somebody who is you know, hanging around is not observing the holiday suddenly because there's, there's really, but maybe people don't know, so therefore just do that quietly. Keep it on the, so on the download. Rabbi, yeah. So does that make a person born, a Jew born in Israel, intrinsically more holy? And my second part of that question is, if we, born in the United, if someone born in the United States moves to Israel, does, does then that person become more holy? These are good questions. I don't know about the person. I'm not, I'm not qualified to, to, to speak about that. The environment is holier. The environment of the Holy Land is a holier environment. And thus, when you're there, it's supercharged. It's like running with less gravity. 
you can run faster. Alleged, I have no idea. I've never run with less gravity. But I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Like moonwalk, you can jump higher, right? Okay, great. So it's not like I have superpowers. It's not me, it's the environment. Like what I can accomplish there, I only need one chance. Whereas here, there's a little bit more push. Takes two shots to get it done. Do these rabbinic rules or just tradition? Look, the Torah says seven days. Yeah, so how did we get? Because uh, they didn't know when Rosh, they, they literally didn't know when, when, when so they didn't have the calendar. So they had to, they had to do two days. They, there was no other way around it. Okay. All right. Well, that concludes our convo about uh, Passover. Little uh, impromptu convo. Hope you enjoyed it. Always good talking about the holiday. And Passover again, two weeks from tonight. Make sure you got your matzah and gear already, wine and whatever you need. Um, if you need any Seder information or any whatever, reach out. Let me know. We got a public Seder, community Seder, uh, Friday night, the 15th of April. There you go, 15th of April. Uh, oh, yeah, tax day. Yeah, 15th of April, and that is also the night of the 15th of Nisan, which starts really that night for the next day, whatever. Um, okay, so that's it. So this Shabbos, don't forget, three Torahs or three different readings. One Tazria, the Torah portion, one Rosh Chodesh, because it's Rosh Chodesh tomorrow, and one HaChodesh, which speaks about the Paschal Lamb, a reading from Leviticus, a reading from Numbers, and a reading from Exodus. We got three out of five books represented tomorrow. Check your local listings. All right. We'll see y'all. Take care. Good Shabbos. Pleasure, pleasure. We'll see you guys soon. Take care.